0: This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. Week 18 just wrapped up about 20 minutes ago. You think you're not going to miss it because, oh, there's playoff football next week. It's fine. And listen, for most of you guys, if your team's out of it, you hate your team right now. And you're like, good, I don't have to watch them next week. I can just have some chips and dip and relax and watch some watch some line play. Hone in. Hone in on the fellas. Uh, don't have to watch the team you hate. Uh, you, you're you going to miss it. You're going to miss it a lot. You're going to miss Scott Hansen, You're going to miss 1 p.m. games. And, like, hell, I miss 9 a.m. games. I miss the Germany games. I want those back in my life. And in May, like May 5th, you're going to be begging. Think of the worst game you watched this year. And Eagles fans, I know I know, pretty easy answer for you guys. But you're going to be begging for those games. Like those dog-ass... Bears game, primetime Bears game, the Giants game, the primetime Giants game, the Tommy DeVito game, you're going to be begging for that when all that's on is like the Kentucky Derby. Preakness. You're going to be give me DeVito. Um, But the playoffs start now, and I want to do a couple things. Number one, I want to talk about just very quickly. How many conversations we have going into this week that drive me nuts about what people consider to be gimme, win, and end games. We have see this over and over and over again, which is funny because I'm going to get to the Jaguars in a second. But like the Jaguars were the spoiler a couple of years ago with the Colts where literally the entire stadium, or a lot of the stadium, was wearing clown gear to make fun of Trent balky being retained as GM. The Colts were winning in, the Jaguars spoiled it. And like, that's as bad as it gets for winning in. But it happens every single year that some we don't understand that teams play hard in week eighteen, and like just think about it. Like first of all, here's what they're playing for. Here's what here's what a team like the Titans are playing for: tape, because it's your name. Because very, very, very few guys have actual genuine job security in the NFL. Incentives, contract stuff like we see that all the time, and then just like generalized contract like livelihood stuff, just like. Don't don't you you want to put every rep on tape so you can your agent can chop chop you around if you're a free agent, but also just like you don't want to play poorly because once the floor goes, I mean, careers end very quickly in this league. I'm not talking about health; I'm talking about just just you play one bad game and people start talking, and that's that's week 18 for you. Think about your job. Like, think about are you actually happy when like your company meets a sales quota? Are you actually happy? No, you're just am I doing my job? Like that that's what week 18 is. And I think we sometimes overlook and we say, well, I mean, it's like, it's, it's the NFL. And so we always take for granted how hard it is to win these winning games. Um, And I just think that's, that's how we should frame all of these conversations in week 18. Um, I do want to say, before we get into all of this stuff, is that uh, it is over for Dennis Allen. And I have no idea if he's going to lose his job on Monday. I have no idea if he's going to be retained by the time this podcast comes out, but it is, it is functionally over for him. Um, reason being is that, uh, <laughs> uh, so I don't, I'm sure you guys saw this by now. Arthur Smith at midfield starts yelling at him and another Falcons coach really laid into him kind of a drive by uh, didn't, didn't stop and take Dennis Allen's hand, but really said a couple curse words to him kind of sneaking in behind Arthur Smith. Um, but, Dennis Allen sent out the Saints to do a victory formation. The Saints overruled him and ran a touchdown play um, to score a touchdown. And afterwards, (laughs) I loved loved this clip. And don't get me wrong. I found this whole thing unbelievably entertaining. Uh, Jameis Winston afterwards was basically just like, oh, you know, well, it was a team decision. You can't, it was a team decision to head coach. Like, it was literally just be like, I wish I had better news for you, Dennis Allen, but uh, we decided against it. Literally, for the first time in history, James Winston has turned play calling into a democracy. Um, and it was as if Dennis Allen had no authority, he was just kind of a passenger, it was kind of like an unrelated rules official. Hey, here's what we're going to do, man. Um, and then there was a reporter, a reporter, I guess a New Orleans reporter, said, I don't think you should have done that. And then Jameis kind of, they go back and forth on it, which is certainly fun. I As a, as a reporter, I, I like when players and reporters have back and forth so they just want to understand each other. So the guy says, you know, this is your rival. You played them two times a year. I, I just wouldn't have done it. Um, and then Jameis was, was, James says, well, you're, you're disagreeing with the whole team. You're disagreeing with the whole team. Like this is some sort of extreme position. Jameis, you disagreed with the head coach, who throughout all of history has normally – didn't listen to on matters of play calling, so uh, Ben Watson said it on Twitter. And if he hadn't said it, I would not even have to cite him. This is it. Like, if that happens, uh, nobody respects you in the locker room, nobody respects you in the locker room. And then people were like, like a couple other players chimed in and were like, hey, we're just doing it, doing it for our guys. Um, and uh, that. Would not happen in a lot of places. So I think the locker room was just fed up. I think the Dennis Allen era has been bad to begin with. Um, Nothing like the, I talk about this all the time, the pre fired guys. Like it, the Dennis Allen era will, whenever it ends, not ever feel real. You will just be like, what, what was that? Scott Linehan era and the Rams just popped into my head because I was thinking like, what was like a three to four year era that I have no recollection of? What happened in that? You will not have any recollection of that except possibly this. It is possible Jameis Winston just gave Dennis Allen such a signature moment that this will, this era will actually feel real because of it. But that's it. Um Real quick, helmet stickers. Montez Sweat, first player in NFL history to, to lead... Two different teams in sacks in the same season, which says a lot about both the Commanders and the Bears. Six and a half for the Commanders, six for the Bears. It says a lot for both those teams. Montez Sweat is an absolute dog. Um, all right, so the game that just... And I want to do more about the teams they whiffed on Sunday than the playoffs, because we got a lot of playoff comment content coming this week. Um, but I do want to talk about the Dolphins and the Bills. So, Bills win, obviously. Kind of an embarrassing setup, I would say, for the Dolphins in as much as that their stadium. I mean, Josh Allen was taking a victory lap around the stadium. If I'm a Dolphins player, I don't love that. If I was a Dolphins fan, I'd be extremely frustrated. Um, and it was a frustrating game on both sides. Whoever lost that game was going to be incredibly frustrated. Because it was sloppy turnover, sloppy play, disjointed play calling, quarterback trying to do too much. But, there's going to be a narrative. Because the, the Dolphins are going to lose next week to the Chiefs. And once that happens, and it's like <laughs> it's like going to be negative two degrees next week or something. or Maybe it is now. It's going to be cold. It's going to be cold as hell. And I've been in an Arrowhead game that's that cold. And it is a nightmare. It is a different type. It's a Midwest desolate cold. It's not a Northeast fun snowy cold. It is just like a gets dark 1 a 1 p.m. and man, I don't, I don't want to. It's, it's a, it's horror movie cold is what we're looking at. Um, and but like low budget horror movie cold, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but there's going to be a narrative after they lose that they're a soft team. Or they're an offensive gaudy team. And I always think about something Kellen Winslow Sr. said years ago where he was talking about how basically anybody who puts up big numbers in football at the tight end position or or wherever, you know, any any physical, uh, anybody who's supposed to be physical puts up big numbers will get called a finesse player. And, you know, classic whether that's, not to stay on the tight end position, but like George Kittle puts up all these numbers and they say, oh, George Kittle can't block. And it's like, there's, a, there's anybody who shows flash is presumed guilty of being soft until proven otherwise. And Tua is going to lead the NFL in passing yards this year. And or he did. He did. The season's over. He, he led the NFL in passing yards. First guy to do that since Dan Marino in 1992. And when you put up big numbers, people will say, well, you're just an offensive team. Do it in the playoffs. Do it in January. And the unfortunate thing is that they're not going to get the opportunity because they're a different team. The second most important thing in football is talent. The first most important thing is health. And there's a huge distance between those two things. Because without one, number two does not matter. And I don't got number one right now. I thought that the Matt Milano injury earlier in the year, and I said this on the show, was going to be a huge differentiator because Milano statistically had some unbelievable numbers against the Dolphins. September, I guess that, that game was. And I said, okay, with well a, a linebacker who can do that many things, that's a huge loss. But then all of a sudden, just over the past month, Xavier Howard's banged up. Bradley Chubb is out. Jalen Phillips is out. Um, Andrew Ginkel was out today. Um, at some point, the defense just becomes too much to overcome. They don't have Jalen Waddell. And I promise you the narrative is going to be They faded down the stretch the last two years and they're soft and they can't do it when the weather gets cold. By the way, it was not a cold night in Miami tonight. They just lost. And what is Tua? Tua is a normal quarterback, which is when his surroundings aren't perfect, he's not perfect. And I think that we've got, I'm going to do this a little bit in Trevor Lawrence discussion, but like, look at Mahomes this year. There's no such thing as a perfect quarterback in a vacuum. Um, I've changed my mind a couple of times on Tua, but I think he's in the great, the he's in up upper quadrant. I guess I would say upper right quadrant of uh, of passers, where when the situation is good, he can be very, very, very good. And I'd say there's a bunch of guys like that in the NFL right now, um, but he's one of them. And I would, say, I would make the same argument I made and pound the table that I made with Brock Purdy, which is that. He runs this offense very well, and that's all I need to see. I don't need to do top 12 lists. I don't need to do all these different little value things. I can tell you right now, they can win the Super Bowl with Tua at quarterback with a good situation with a healthy team. They don't have that right now. And I think that what happened on Sunday was two quarterbacks who had to do too much. And when that happens, let's focus on Josh Allen here. like They could have easily lost that game. The turnovers, um, just the 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 lack of cohesion near the red zone or in the in the red zone. Um, he's a wild card because he knows he has to put the team on his back. It, you have to accept that. Like that's just that's just the way. That's just the way Josh Allen wants to play. He doesn't want to become somebody else. That's like that. Th- that's it. Like we was on the he was on the show a couple months ago, and I said, "What's what's the trade off there?" And he was like, "Well, I'm not going to become a different player. Like you, okay, you can take the easy stuff, but like he wants he wants to do this. If he didn't want to play like this, he wouldn't play like this. He wants to be aggressive." And Sean McDermott was like, "Well, going the halftime, well, he's getting a little too aggressive. That's just going to be him. That's going to be him taking the easy option is boring, and he doesn't want to be boring." Years ago, I was listening to a Phil Mickelson podcast. And, uh, who <laughs> was asking him about like winged foot and, uh, you know, all the wacky crap that he's done throughout his career from a playing perspective, not, not off, not off the course, but he's, he's done some wild stuff off the course too. But he basically made the point. He was like, you know what? The point of golf is to do cool crap. I believe I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm bleeping him because I believe he may, may have said the S word there. Um, but just do cool crap. And that's what he wants to do. And if he could say like, hey, you know what? I could probably take the easy option, but instead I'm going to take this this 60-degree wedge and try the coolest thing you've ever seen. Even it might be a major championship, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's Josh Allen. That is Josh Allen. He wants to do that. He doesn't want to be boring. He doesn't want to make life boring for himself. He has the capability. You know what? He's huge. He's like a absolute... like alien, I, was one of the, the, the 10-foot alien they had running around Miami, they said on the internet, like that's Josh Allen. He's he's a massive person who can take hits and has a cannon for an arm, and he can do basically anything on the football field. You try being boring. That's where Josh is. Um, but I think Tua probably felt the same pressure on the other side that somebody was going to make a play in this game, and he forced it. And by the way, I'd much rather have Josh Allen trying to do too much than Tua... Trying to do too much, um, but this is going to be Matt. This this comes down to health. The Dolphins don't have it. The season is over. It's hugely unfortunate. They're going to go through an absolute avalanche of crap over the next couple of months. And Mike McDaniel is not going to make a big deal out of it. He's going to get through with it. Get get through get through uh, the other side. Um, it's going to be fine. But. I don't, I'm not one of these guys who's like, oh, no, here come the takes. But man, the takes going to be awful after they lose in Kansas City. Um, because I believe in that program. I believe in Mike McDaniel. I believe in his ability to make Tua better. I believe in a ton of that talent. It's a very talented roster. It's just banged up right now. Genuine pass rush. Pass rush depth. They went away over a month. Some of the most pressure-heavy guys in football. On a per-snap basis, Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb were the two best pass rushers. And, and they're gone. Like, How many teams could survive that? Very, very few. Very, very few. At this point of the year in the playoffs, very few. If any. Literally, if any. Um, all right. The Eagles. I'm sorry to have to do this. Um, first of all, Zach Berman with the Nugget. Of the month, helmet sticker for Zach Berman. Eagles finished the season with a 0.5 point differential. We had him on the show, by the way. Great Eagles beat writer. So that, that point differential is the fourth worst since Zach Berman joined the beat in 2012. This is instructive because the only ones worse were Andy Reid's final season, Chip Kelly's final season, and Doug Peterson's final season. All of them, by the way, in the negatives, a point differential. Fifth worst point differential since 2000. They've allowed seven touchdowns on their last ten possessions. Um, they're playing two god-awful teams in the Giants and the Cardinals. Now, I know the Cardinals play hard, and we love that. And we were all giving Gannon his flowers and Drew Petzing and Nate Tice on here the other day talking about how great and creative those coordinators are. Great. They're a bad team, and the Eagles should blow them out. The Philadelphia Eagles with their talent should should have and I've always thought it's really funny because I was actually thinking about this when I was watching Sirianni today. The thing that always blows my mind is I, I go to games a lot. And I'll be in a I'll go to a game and the teams that make winning look easy. New England all the time. If you go to some New England game, they'd be playing Houston with Matt Schaub. And sometimes they went playoff games like this, and it was like they just went out and played golf and came back in. And were like, well, that's done, that's over. And you re- you remember in the lean times how hard winning a game is, and to do it with no drama, just to go out there and execute, use the talent advantage wisely, and just to your just don't don't ever seed ground like the great teams could do that, um, and that's what the Eagles in this era should be. They should go out and not have any drama against the Cardinals and the Giants. Instead, they look like absolute garbage against them. Um, Jalen Hurts, his finger popped out. He says he feels okay. And the Eagles, talking about health, like some of their talents just starting to go away a little bit. And if that's happening, they don't have the scheme advantage and they don't have a quarterback who's playing really well like he was last year. And the coaching is just a disaster. Uh, I at some point, I mean, thank God they're playing the Bucks, but I think the Bucks are going to win. I think the Bucks are a more are capable <laughs> of executing competent football plays on a per play basis than the Philadelphia Eagles. Now I don't know where the hell this is going because I keep, I don't. Here's my view on this. I don't think Nick Sirianni's gonna get fired because he in the damn Super Bowl last year. But I think a couple things. Number one is I know how that organization works. Been around it. Know people who've worked there. Got a bunch of stories on them. Interviewed pretty much everybody there at one point or another. They, the people there, believe in the infrastructure, and the infrastructure, they believe in the infrastructure's ability to generate talent, via the draft, via free agency via trade and i think the implication there and the reason they've gone through coaches is that the roster is very rarely the root cause of the problem. Now, you might say the roster has shortcomings. I've said that many times. But that's not the reason you're lose to Arizona and and the Giants cuz the roster is better than both of those teams. And so what ends up being the problem? Again, I think you're looking at you're going to look at extreme pressure on Sirianni next year. That means he's going to nail both coordinator hires, I assume, or nail whatever he would do on the offensive side of the ball. And then people like the Matt Patricia thing. I don't. How did things get worse? How did things get worse? The only thing I could think of that was making it like so urgent to fire or demote Sean Desai is that the communication was awful. He couldn't get the play calls in, something like that. If it's scheme stuff, you can kind of divvy that up. Give it somebody else. Like there was the, the Lynn Kiffin report that uh, not to go all college on you, that Nick Saban just gave up, just, just kind of, let somebody else call the defense. And that's kind of disputed at some point, but like the Kevin Steele was, wasn't was calling the defense mid season. They were just like, eh, let somebody else call the defense. You don't have to make some big old DC change like that. You don't even have to announce it. You're going to say, Hey, this is a, like Belichick do that all the time. Uh, the, the, the old line in New England was that if Belichick wanted to take back over play calling duties, he would just say, all right, we tried it your way. I'm going to do mine. Offense and defense. Sirian obviously can't do that, because, he, but he could give Patricia more responsibility without embarrassing Desai. The only thing I can think of is that Sean Desai was so bad that he they literally could not function. And that does not appear to be the case. Matt, Patricia appears to be the one who can't function, which leads me with a whole new set of questions. All right, next topic. This actually happened... During this episode, so I'm gonna come up with it on the fly. Arthur Smith has been fired as head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. We knew this was gonna happen. Arthur Blank, weirdly sitting in the press conference. I don't know why, to see what was going on. Um so let's get the let's get the final read on Arthur Smith's career. He was there for three years. He went seven, <laughs> he went seven and ten. All three years, 21 and 30. Um, I I have to, I have to give you a controversial take. Arthur Smith is a good coach who got in his own way. I think he was very stubborn. I think he was a bit of a know-it-all. Um, I think, I, I, I think that, there were certain things, whether that's – we've relitigated the Desmond Ritter thing. I don't think there's been a worse quarterback people have come into the season with saying this is our guy in a long time. Um, I had a lot of hope because the roster was improving and I liked his play calling. I think as a leader – I think it, I, I, I mean, as someone who – it's his job not to overcomplicate things. And I think he, he did, he'd never thought players not plays – I don't think he. I think he dug his heels in in situations where it made more sense to just say, you know what, let's give it the ball to Kyle Kyle Pitts. Let's give the ball to Bijan Robinson. Like there's so many other, there were ways that that he could have made life easier for himself, and he never wanted to do it. That that's my that's my read on the situation. Call it, you know, I was I was around them. For a bit over the past couple of years so I, I kind of got, got the vibe there I talked to him a little bit I, I, I'm going to answer a reader question first um, in this segment because and this this might be the controversial part so we got a question from, from John who's going to fire their coach tomorrow and regret it most in five years John's money is on the Pats or the Raiders so Raiders he put an asterisk presumably because it, they might keep Antonio Pierce I do not think it's going to be the Patriots. I think the Patriots are going to fire Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is going to go somewhere else and he's going to be fine. And that's not going to hurt his legacy. Like Bill Walsh coming back to, you know, Marv Levy coming back to be the president or whatever the Bills. Nobody even talks about that thing. Um, I don't think anybody's going to care what Bill Belichick's second act was. Um, we're talking about his legacy. Now, I think the, the, I don't think they're going to regret firing Arthur Smith, but I think Arthur Smith is probably going to end up being the best coach fired on Monday. Like from a future standpoint, obviously Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. I'm saying in five years, which is the question. So in tw- or it is January 8th, 2024, I think on January 8th, 2029, the best coach active at that point who got fired on Monday will be Arthur Smith because he will learn. He will under, I think he will go somewhere, call good offensive plays and understand most of his mistakes. Hopefully, because I think that stubbornness and his ability to run his offense in a way he seemed fit come hell or high water. I think that that doomed him when there's something, when there's a bunch of things you can point to, maybe, maybe he'll just never get it. Maybe he'll get another shot in four years, and he still will refuse to play his best players or, or do the simple things. I don't know, but like it's almost like the opposite of what I was describing with Josh Josh Allen and Phil Mickelson, where it's like he he wanted to be, he wanted to, to use his his like his putter from from sixty yards out. He wanted his Texas wedge all over the field. He didn't want to. He didn't want to uh, use a sixty and do an insane flop shot. So I. The Falcons, I mean, they've got talent everywhere. They'll hire a good offensive coach and they'll go from there. I think we could see an immediate turnaround if they get the quarterback position solved. We could see a a, a Texans like turnaround depending on what what that all looks like. So, um, that's the Arthur Smith thing. Um, all right, before we get to the other questions, the Jaguars. First of all, the Jaguars have been jumped in the division, and. That was, not in the, that was not supposed to happen. That was not in the script. Um, D'Amico Ryan's Chase Router, the f- fifth first-year head coach and quarterback to make the playoffs in their first season since 1950. The other ones, Pagano and Andrew Luck, Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez, Mike Smith and Matt Ryan, speaking of the Falcons, John Harbaugh, Joe Flacco. Pretty short list. But the Texans are on it now they're ahead of schedule this is not supposed to happen and I'm gonna go in on the Jags a little bit here because this whole thing is very upsetting to me and I, I did this I did this two weeks ago with the Jaguars and I, I will not rehash any of those points I will I will I will just say this the Jaguars are spending more salary cap dollars than any other NFL team they're older than the average NFL roster this was time they were not a young team Trevor Lawrence because he's on his rookie Contract maybe maybe it seems like they're young they're not they got a they spent a boatload of they remember the Christian Kirk contract all that stuff they they signed guys and most most of them two years ago and they okay they didn't do much last year because word is they thought there were going to be a lot of extensions coming up and may, yeah that's true they'll have to sign Trevor Lawrence at some point but this was the year to make a massive leap instead they got left and they've had one double digit season win, excuse me one double digit win season since 2008 and Blake Bortles was the quarterback not Trevor Lawrence everyone else in the division which is not a good division has had a double digit win season since 2020 not the jags who were, who were supposed to have the prince it was promised year 3 or Trevor Lawrence. And I know I will be as charitable as possible and say the Urban Meyer year did not count. Guess where it counts? On the rookie contract, on the contract of other guys, on all. There's so many things where the timeline is starting to get screwed up, especially if Houston is the team we think. And there was a quote after the game I saw where Josh Allen, the linebacker, said, he he felt like last year there was a spark and we wrote it. That, that's what he said. We saw a spark and we wrote it. This year, we're hoping hoping it was gonna come, it never came. The spark. The spark to me sounds like like the hope. Like hope. It sounds like you're sitting around waiting for a kind of destiny to come and and pull you out. Of the AFC South and say, you are now going to make the AFC championship game. And that's not really how football works. This league moves very, very quickly. And the Jaguars did not improve when everybody else did. I mean, even then, I I understand the Chiefs look like they take a step back because they have Kadarius, Tony, and MVS trotting out there as their receivers. Um, But they still, their defense took a massive leap forward. That's going to pay dividends in the. in the AFC for a long time, especially when you look at the age. We about the young team. Look at the Chiefs' damn defense. Um, it's a sloppy team. They lost all season because they were a team that was not talented enough who played sloppy. I'm sorry. When I say all season, I mostly mean uh, the last two months because they had a 95% chance of winning the playoffs, I think six weeks ago. Um, reading Derek Klassen before the game, before, before the Sunday night game, and he wrote about Trevor's season and, and kind of post-mortem. And he basically said that they didn't do anything on the offensive line except swap out uh, Taylor for a rookie. And that wasn't actually a bad move. It was just that, what did you expect to get better here? Because last year, the way he phrased it was, it was a middling offense made better by Lawrence's pre-snap, pre-premonition, and pocket movement. And you didn't do anything to improve Lawrence having to do too much as the main basis for the offense. Doug Peterson going to press Taylor as play caller has been a disaster. And by the way, when you start asking questions about Doug Peterson, he's 16 52 as head coach. That includes the magical Nick Foles season where they were 10 games over 500. No depth in an all in league. Like you cannot, okay, this is not 1999. This is an all in league that is aggressive, and like, we, the reason no one says all in anymore, remember we all talked about it in in 2016, 2017, oh, the, the Rams traded for Jalen Ramsey, they're all in, yeah, it's because everybody is, all the time, every single year, because of the way the salary cap is structured, because of the way free agency became a viable team building strategy, which was not the case before about 2015, now you go out and you spend a bunch of money, that's what you expect to do, The the damn Jaguars have spent a bunch of money, they just haven't, Elevated their team certainly over the past 12 months in a way that plugged holes, and I think we're going to be looking back on this rookie contract with Trevor Lawrence. And listen, he's been banged up, hasn't been perfect by any means. He is not. I don't. You know what? I don't want to hear anymore. Oh, he might be a Trevor. This this guy. He's no Trevor Lawrence. Well, are we sure Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence? Are we sure Trevor Lawrence is the avatar that we've set up for him? Because he looks like a pretty normal, good young quarterback to me. So all of this to me lays at the feet of, if I was going to make a move, I'd make a move on Trent balky Give somebody else a chance. Um, This roster is not good enough. And I don't know how you sell, I, I'm never a how do you sell the fan base guy. But how do you sell the fan base on nothing changing? What's your move? What's your next move if you're, if you're Shad Khan? Because the only season that's been successful has been a Bortles season. And Balky's been there for a long enough time, this shouldn't be happening. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my Jaguars thing. It's, it's, it's a very, very frustrating thing. I could not imagine, I, I know this sounds, I couldn't imagine being a Jaguars fan. Don't make jokes. I'm going to let a magic fan. I can't, I can't make fun of smaller fan bases who have not had a lot of success. So I won't do that. Um, Jaguars fans hurt too. Jaguars fans drink, you know, 12 packs of Miller light out of pure misery, just like magic fans, just like Steelers fans, just like bears fans, just all sitting around drinking beer, getting sad. It's what's all football is. Um, but I couldn't imagine being a Jaguars fan and not not getting a move that would that would lead to the end light at the end of the tunnel. because this is a sad, sad situation. And all of a sudden, I mean I, 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 I don't know, like are the are the Jaguars, the Jaguars are the third best future in the division? If you're just doing a draft, Because Anthony Richard comes back on a team that almost won the division this year, made the playoffs this year, and the Houston is Houston. So just do the math there. This team went from the next great team, and I I was always doubting kind of a megastar leap from Trevor Lawrence this year. But this team went from the next great team to getting lost in that division. It's very, very sad. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesar Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code Omaha OMAHAFULL and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. You keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only must wager with eligible promo code BET amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, one thousand two hundred fifty dollars Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem, Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. six seven three 369 right, we have some questions. Flynn, what do we got? First up,
1: Matthew Garcia wants to know, what can we learn from Bryce Young going number one? Mm. He was objectively the worst number one pick at QB since Jamarcus Russell.
0: Yeah.
1: In addition, the Texans absolutely would have taken him first had they had the pick further Draft evaluation experts had him as the best QB. I know it's hard to evaluate QBs, but this feels like a watershed moment. Please impart your infinite wisdom upon us, peasant
0: <laughs> listeners. Um, all right, so this one's easy. What would have happened? CJ's, we would not be having the C.J. Stroud discussion. C.J. Stroud had a proof of concept, as we've talked about, in the Georgia game. But Bryce Young had a lot of tape that showed a lot of promise. In a pro adjacent offense with Bill O'Brien, all that stuff. The height was not, the height is not what's holding him back this year. If CJ Stroud went to Carolina, he would look really bad. He wouldn't look awful because he obviously can hang in there and throw it and all that stuff. But you've got, you've got people like falling out of bounds for no reason. In, in the receiving core of, of the Panthers. You've got him getting teed off on it, getting the crap knocked out of him over and over and over again. And he would look a lot better than Bryce Young, but we would barely ever, we would not be talking about him. The infrastructure in Carolina is awful, awful. And I think CJ Stroud would eventually make it in Houston, but he would have a rough rookie year. And I think Bryce Young would look a hell of a lot better with Bobby Slowick calling plays, with I mean Tank Dell and Nico Collins and I I don't think it would be one for one by any means. I will say this. CJ Stroud I think is a lot better current prospect than Bryce Young. But I think that we far too often as I said in Nate Tyson Friday, I'm almost to the point where I don't want to say there's such thing as a quarterback prospect anymore because situation, infrastructure, coaching, offensive line, all of those things matter. Far more than many of the things that we discuss mattering in, in in quarterback evaluation, far more, and quarterbacks are failed far more than they fail, and I think that that that's the most unfair thing to me If I'm Caleb Williams, I'm looking at these teams going. I don't know, man. I don't want to play. I don't play for some of these teams, man. Um, Drake May, same thing. Um, Michael Pennick, same thing. Like, yeah, we talk about Mahomes. Well, what if Adam Gase drafted Mahomes? What if the Jaguars drafted Mahomes? And I know we go through this all the time, but you think about it, at the Chiefs, and you say, okay, Mahomes not only sat for a year, he gets Andy Reid, top five off- offensive coach of all time. You know what else he gets? A personal coach because Andy Reid had the foresight to do it, and Mike Kafka who's now calling plays for the Giants. Um, a staff that had a bunch of really good guys, including a guy like Eric Bieniemy, who was just a position coach at that at that point before Matt Nagy left. Um, And you had Alex Smith to mentor him. He had every advantage a quarterback can make. And by the way, we never saw him as a a rookie. So we we don't know, and I've I've asked people this before who were there, who saw him in practice every day, and they were like, he would have made mistakes. He would have made mistakes. And he came in as more or less a finished product in his second year. Part of that, by the way, was the roster. The roster was amazing. This is second year. Um, Look at that roster. A lot of guys, including Tyreek Hill. And so I don't think it's a watershed moment. I don't think it's going to change anything about quarterbacking, except it's funny. I think about this all the time. I was at a owner's meeting a couple of years ago and somebody says something about Daniel Jones when Daniel Jones was not considered good um, as opposed to now when he's also not considered good, but he's a lot richer. Um, no, it was after his uh, second year, I think it was. And so somebody stopped a group of writers stopped John Mara in the hallway at the owner's meeting and they said, you know, are you going to stick with Daniel Jones? And he said, he said, this franchise, talking about himself. He was like, this franchise has done everything we could to screw this kid up. And think about that constantly. First of all, that's, it was great for him to take responsibility, but like also just knowing that the deck was stacked so significantly against him, that he deserves more of a chance. And he did. And he's, extremely rich now and he had one good season and he you know what he played a lot better than they thought he could or the, the Giants fans thought he could but I'm just saying um this is not should not be new information for you if you're a smart football fan but that to me is the lesson is that um, we need to understand that hopeless situations are hopeless for a reason and I I think most of the great sort of quarterbacking miracles of the past 15 years, a lot of times they're going to be able to find a lot of smart people around them. A lot of good offensive linemen. And they got a lot of good skill players. You can't tell everyone tries to, to denigrate Belichick. Now Belichick, the greatest defensive coordinator in history used to lock himself in a room with Tom Brady. The offensive coaches could not come and they would just talk about defense and how to poke holes in the different rules. You think that didn't help Tom Brady? Like Everything, it, it takes a village. What's the thing? Uh, victory as many fathers, orphan is a defeat. A good, I know some of that's about taking credit, but like a good quarterback will always have a lot of root causes in, 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 at the NFL level. All right, Flynn, what's next?
1: Next up, Dennis. As a Texans fan from Budapest, who knew they had those? Who knew they listened Yeah. To I have one honest question for you after your last podcast episode with Nate, especially after yesterday's performance. Do you not feel Nico Collins and Tank Dell being CJ's long-term 1A and 1B receivers? I'd rather they invest in the D-line and let Stroud use multiple weapons once the running game gels, hopefully next year.
0: Yeah, so I love this question because I think that I, I kept saying, okay, they're going to get the, the number one receiver, whatever. Sounds like they'll probably just franchise T. Higgins, Cincinnati, so that might not be an option. Maybe trade for somebody. The more I think about it, the more Dennis has a good, has a good point. I, th- I hope we're pronouncing that right because it's D-E-N-E-Z, I believe. Um, great question from Budapest. The reason I love this question is, where do you go next if you're Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans? I would try to upgrade the receiving core. But I would also not, at this point, having seen what I've seen from that skill group, I would not break the bank for a number one, especially when you think about just the law of supply and demand at number one receiver. They, they very rarely come available. T. Higgins might be a unicorn. I'd probably push a limit of finances for someone like T. Higgins. But I think overall, I think, a lot of, I, I think you can kind of go anywhere across the board. Um, they don't have their pick this year, so I'm mean, like, what what they did? They they went out and they got like you know the Robert Woods of the world last year to just professionalize the operation. Um, I w- I was fine with that. I think you probably raise the ceiling a little bit if you if you don't get a, a stud this year. Um, what would I do if I was them? Well, I think you probably upgrade some of the linebackers, probably the secondary. Um. I think that's that's where I would go right now. Um, I think that there's, there's a lot of places you, you could go right now with the Texans. But what you have is you've got the best problem-solving um, combo in sports, which is – I'm talking about in generality, which is quarterback and, and coach. Once you have that, everything else flows through that. The GM seems to know what he's doing. I saw a report that Nick Casario maybe would be a candidate for New England. I have no idea why Nick Cassario would want to do that. No idea whatsoever. So I, I would, you know, you have Will Anderson anchoring the defensive line. Um, you've made really good decisions and a lot of your value guys. I love Denzel Perryman; I he's a cane. I don't know what his future is <laughs> in the NFL. I see a lot of guys like that um, at linebacker and in secondary. So that's kind of second level there. Uh, I would try to upgrade right now, and then uh, yeah, I know I, I don't. I, I'd still be on the hunt to upgrade the skill guys, but I think Nico Collins and, and Tank Dell have done enough for me not to. Uh, make that my number one priority this offseason.
1: We'll end with Michael Reeves. He wants to know, are you taking 49ers or Ravens in Vegas or are you taking the field?
0: So we're going to do playoff content all week, including with one of our, uh, the best most, one of the most famous guests we've ever had on the show, either this show or at the ringer, uh, a, a true highlight. I'm really excited. It'll be out uh, midweek. Um, but so we're going to do that. And then we're going to do something on Friday too. Um, but if I had to guess, so I'm going to take, this is a, it's such a hard question. I'm going to take the field because I'm getting, and I, I'm one of these guys who three weeks ago said, oh, this is over. It's going to be Niners and, and, and Ravens. There's too many teams I've found myself talking myself into. Teams like the Rams where I'm sitting there thinking, okay, why can this team not win two playoff games and accidentally end up in the NFC Championship game? Why is that? Like, here are the teams I would not be surprised at seeing in the conference championship game. Baltimore and San Francisco, obviously. Dallas, obviously. Detroit, obviously. Los Angeles, obviously. I'd be shocked to see Philly. I'd be shocked to see Tampa Bay. I'd be surprised to see Green Bay. The only way I could talk myself into Green Bay is if the quarterback just gets real hot, which is possible which is possible. And some of the defensive guys play out of their minds. It's possible. Joe Barry, the DC really hurts all of this stuff. My guess is you're going to see a lot of kind of analysts like myself, younger, smarter, want to be trendy, want to be hip people picking the Packers win the Super Bowl next year or make it. It just seems like a trendy pick eight months from now. Just something to, something to watch, but I'd be surprised this year. Um, on the other side, Baltimore, Kansas City, Cleveland. So, I'm taking the field. And maybe maybe Buffalo. I'm mean, like maybe we have a Josh Allen super superhero situation. Um, I'm taking the field because and I don't feel good about this. I feel I feel absolutely sick taking the field here. But I I'm just sitting here tonight thinking to myself, this team could make a run. This team could make a run. This, this team could make a run. And th- this this chalk thing that I had in my mind for the past three weeks is starting to slowly fade away. So it's a great question. I'm taking the field. Um, all right, we will be back with the aforementioned excellent guest on Tuesday. I think we have another excellent guest coming out uh, at least midday Thursday or Friday at the latest. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this regular season. It has been a true, true, true thrill. Um, I will see you midweek. Let's get ready for the playoffs.